Happy Easter, Woodlands Church. Happy Easter. Wow, it is so great to see you. Yeah, it is such a joy to be celebrating with you the most life-altering event in all of human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, last year, Carrie and I stood in this very same spot, and we preached the Easter message to a completely empty room. And I've got to tell you, we are very, very grateful for technology that allowed us then and still to be able to worship together online, but it felt eerily empty and quiet last year in here. And that's why I've got to tell you how amazing it is to see your smiling faces today. And we are so grateful that the only thing that's empty this year is the tomb. The tomb is empty because Jesus is alive. We want to welcome also all you guys worshiping with us through our broadcast ministry and online ministry around the world. We always say, from the woodlands to the world, we're one church. Now today, we're talking about an amazing epic story filled with the highest highs and the lowest lows. It's a story of tragedy and triumph. It's a suspense thriller that you just can't turn away from. It's a love story and it's a lost story. It's heartwarming and it's heart-wrenching. It's a feel-good story and it's a really painful story, but most of all, it's a real story. It's a superhero story where the hero is real. It's nonfiction, it's raw, it's real, it's not some fairy tale, though it does involve a happily ever after. It's the greatest story ever told because it's about the greatest one who ever lived, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the focal point of the whole story is the focal point of all history, the story of Easter. When I was a kid, my two sisters and I would pile into our family's wood-sided station wagon, and every Saturday, we'd make our weekly pilgrimage to the local library. The four of us each took full advantage of that 10-book limit of how many you could have checked out at a time, and so we always had this big, red, ridiculously heavy carpet bag between us as we went into the library that had 40 books in it. You know, every one of us had those 10 books. 40 coming in and 40 going back out. And I remember that every time I stepped into the library door, I was overcome with wonder. So many stories. So many stories were just waiting for me. And I'd dash off to the fiction section and start choosing my adventures for the week. I discovered that I could travel anywhere and become anyone in the pages of a book. So I'd open the pages of the Jungle Book and suddenly I'd be surrounded by wild, unpredictable forest so thick with trees that I could barely make out the sky between the dense leaves. And if I wanted to stay in the woods, I could dive into Robin Hood or Anne of Green Gables or Little House in the Big Woods or any of Grimm's fairy tales. But sometimes I felt like getting above the tree line and up into the mountains. And after a few pages of where the wild fern grows or my side of the mountain, I could practically feel that cool wind in my hair. I mean, I wanted the full experience, the immersion experience. I remember reading Heidi, and I had a chunk of Swiss cheese in one hand and my book in the other. You know, some days I was feeling especially daring, and I'd head out to the open seas. Reading Treasure Island or 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, I could practically feel those waves rolling beneath me as I was in my bed with my flashlight late at night reading. I could see that dark storm brewing on the horizon and massive fish swimming around beneath me. 
if I was reading The Old Man in the Sea or Moby Dick, just lurking in that dark water. But after a perilous ocean adventure, I might choose to leave Earth altogether and soar through the skies with Jonathan Livingston Seagull or Peter Pan and Wendy. When I was flying with them, I left all my cares behind. But no matter what sort of book I chose, all these stories had one thing in common, and that was they all ended. That dreaded moment always came. You know, the moment when you're reading a book that you love and you can't wait to see what happens next, but also you hate that you're getting page by page closer to the end because that means it'll be over. But that moment always came when I turned the last page and I was suddenly jolted back into my very real life. My very own, very unfinished, very imperfect story. You know, the story that we're all the most interested in, the story of our life. We want to make sure that our story is really good. And so it seems like the best plan is to write it ourselves, to make our own plans, to script the whole thing ourselves. We decide how we'd like our story to go, and then we hold on tightly to the pen. This is my story. We think to ourselves, I'm the one writing it. I am going to be the hero or the heroine of my own story. We might write God in as a minor character, but make no mistake, we want full control of the storyline. But the problem is that the stories we write for ourselves always end up with a plot that's weak and a story that's small. So if you feel confused today on this Easter day, if you are lonely, if you are frustrated, or if you are exhausted, it's time to relax to unclench your fingers and let go of that pen that you've been gripping so tightly. The great news of Easter is that you're not the main character of your own story, and I'm not the main character in mine. There is only one story that matters, only one name that will last, Jesus Christ. And our life stories are only of value as they are written into his. The story of Easter is first and foremost a story of love and loss. History is really his story, God's story. And God's story has no beginning and it has no ending. You can turn the pages backward, but you'll never get to the first page because the story has always existed. And you can turn the pages forward, but you'll never come to the last page because the story will never end. It's an eternal story. But I want us to open the book to the place where we become part of the story. Look at Genesis 1:27. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God created us in his own image, which means that we have the capacity for spiritual things. This separates us from all the other animals. I mean, you never see your dog kneeling to pray before a meal, do you? Hopefully not or your cat raising its paws in praise to God. Though I have to say, when my son Stephen was in grade school, he had a hamster that would sit on his shoulder and watch TV with him for hours. I think it was possessed or something, I'm not not sure. But one day Chris walked in and noticed the hamster was soaking wet in its cage and she asked Stephen about it and he said, oh yeah, I wanted my hamster to go to heaven so I baptized him. And it was full immersion, I don't know how he survived it but now he is in hamster heaven. R.I.P. Snowflake, he was a great hamster. 
But God created us very different from all the other animals and then we're made in his image. We're not just a physical being, we're also a spiritual being and we can have a relationship with our creator. That's why you were created. In 1 John 4, 16, it says, God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. Did you get that? God is love. It's not just that God loves, but that he is love. That's who he is. But love is useless unless it has some objects to pour itself out on. And so God made you as an object of his love. God made you to love you. The greatest story ever told is first and foremost an epic love story. Now, you're not the main character of the story, but the main character is crazy in love with you. You were created for a love relationship with your creator. The author of life loves you and created you for a purpose. And maybe you feel today like your story is filled with meaningless chapters and page after purposeless page. Because of Easter, if you'll let God write your story, he will fill every sentence of your life with meaning. He'll turn every paragraph into purpose because he loves you. The greatest story ever told is a love story. But I have to tell you, it's also a story of loss. For God created Adam and Eve to live in the garden of purpose and perfection in his love, but they tried to replace God as the main character of the story. They tried to write God out of the script, and in pride, they took God out of the picture, and they lost it all. Paradise lost. And we've all tried to be the main character of our story and leave God out. We've all sinned by seeking to be the author of our own destiny, thinking that we know better than God how to write our story and how the story should go. And because we've all sinned, we've all lost. And folks, we've lost so much. We've lost meaning and purpose and fulfillment and peace and joy. We've lost our direction, we've lost our way in life. We've lost the whole reason why we were made to be in a love relationship with our Creator but I'm so glad that Paradise Lost is not the last chapter of the story because the story is also one of redemption. It's a story of redemption. In Colossians verse one, or chapter one, verse 13, it says, for he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So he didn't leave us in our lostness. He came after us and he rescued us and gave us his life on Good Friday to redeem us and erase all of our sins. Because of Easter, he paid the price to erase our sins and buy us back to himself. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's be honest, all of our stories are filled with mistakes and sins and failures. And because of that, we all carry around the burden of guilt. And we can try to cover it up. We can try to act like it's no big deal. We can try to compare ourselves to others and think that we're as good as anyone and probably better. But no matter how hard we try, we can't erase sin. And we can't erase guilt. But Christ came with the eraser of Easter when he shed his perfect sinless blood on the cross and took on himself all of my sins. And all we have to do is to admit that we need him to forgive us. 
and he cleanses us and he erases all of our sins and all of our guilt. The Bible word there is justified. It means just as if I'd never sinned. We don't deserve it, we can't earn it. That's why it's called grace. The eraser of Easter can erase all of your sins and mistakes and all of your guilt and give you a fresh start. Hebrews 8.12 says, this is God speaking to you. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. I'm so grateful for that promise because not only does he erase all our sins from our story, he also erases them from his memory. God chooses to forget them. See, redemption means God erases our sins. He cleanses us. And redemption also means he rewrites the story of our lives. For you see, God doesn't erase all the pain from our story. God doesn't erase all the past. God doesn't erase all the struggles. He erases all of our sins so we can be in a right relationship with God again. But he doesn't erase all the painful things from our story. He just takes the pen and begins writing purpose into them. And somehow he weaves purpose into the pain and changes the whole story. Do you ever feel like you're stuck in a story that's keeping you from who you want to be? Well, then this verse in 2 Samuel is just for you. It says, God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. Because of Easter, we can step into a different story, a better, truer story than our own. We can't erase the hard parts of our stories, but we can choose to allow God to write something powerful, a story of faith from our failures, a story of purpose from our pain, a story of miracles from our mess. When I was growing up, my mom was just a wonderful pianist, and every night when I fell asleep, I heard her playing the piano. It was just what I went to sleep to every night. And it was beautiful because she was just such an excellent pianist. She'd play all kinds of music, the classics, all kinds of music. And it's like the tape of my life. I just remember hearing that music. And I couldn't wait till I finally got to take piano lessons, which is about when I was in kindergarten. And I started taking piano lessons ready to do the same as my mom, thinking something really beautiful would come out of that piano. And I was horrible. I was absolutely horrible. I just you know, plunked along with two fingers. It was so discouraging. I would practice, nothing came of it. Got to first grade, still just as bad. I would just plunk along and I remember sitting on the piano bench, so frustrated, trying to do my practice, thinking, why won't that beautiful music come out of this piano? And my mom came and sat down next to me, and she put her arm around me, and I thought she was just comforting me because I was upset, but she reached around and put her fingers on the keys, and she began to play a melody with her right hand, and she reached over with her left hand and played some bass notes, and all of a sudden, my little song that I was plunking along with sounded beautiful. It sounded great. She had wrapped up my little song, my broken little song, into her beautiful music, and it came out beautiful. And we all have parts of our personal history that we wish we could erase, and we're just plunking along. We think, this is a really bad story, but that's what God does, is he will wrap our little story, our broken story, into his and make something beautiful out of it. Maybe you feel like the mistakes you've made have disqualified you from ever having the life you always wanted. 
a life filled with meaning and acceptance and love, I want you to know it is not too late for you. It's not too late. God knows everything about us. He knows every thought in our heads before we even speak it. And yet, he loves us still. He's crazy about you. Carrie and I have a two-year-old granddaughter named Mary Love, and she's obsessed with flowers. She loves flowers. Everything in her world is searching for flowers. If she's reading a book, she points out all the flowers, even though that's never part of the storyline. And if she's watching television, oh, a flower, flower. She loves flowers. And you can only imagine how exciting it is when she sees a flower in person for real. I mean, a dandelion is just the best thing ever. And she was over at our house recently, and we were in the backyard, and she rushed over to me with her tiny little fist all clenched up, saying, look, look, for you, for you. And she proudly lifted up her hand and uncurled her little fingers to reveal a completely crushed rose, probably the only thing living in our backyard now. It was just mangled. And so what do you think I did next? Did I get angry and say, just look what you did. You ruined everything. Or did I say, hey, you go fix that, make it right, and then bring it back to me. Don't give it to me till it's perfect. No way. I scooped her up and truthfully told her that it was the best flower I had ever been given. I accepted it in the same way it had been offered with passion and love. And that's how Jesus responds when you open up your heart to him. The broken pieces and all, he understands. The son of God became a man so that mankind could become the sons and daughters of God. Because of Easter, you can unclench your fingers, let go of that pen, give up on trying to write your own story. When you turn your story over to God, he doesn't say, well, what kind of rotten story is this? Clean up your life and then get back to me. No. God is our loving father, and he meets us right where we are. And like any loving father, he looks not at the gift, but at the heart that gives it. So what if this was the day that everything changed for you? What if instead of constantly telling yourself, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, what if you chose to believe that God is enough, that you are loved and accepted by him, and that makes you enough? What if this was the day that you let the master storyteller wrap your little story into his epic one, his wild, adventurous, beautiful, courageous story of new creation? What if you let him tell your story? Not only is the greatest story ever told a story of love and loss and a story of redemption, but it's also a story of resurrection. I want to share with you the passage in Matthew that tells of that very first Easter. It's in Matthew 28, and it says this. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. 
He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Absolutely everything regarding the Christian life rests on this. He is not here. He is not here. He has risen. Jesus is alive today. And if you fully accepted that truth into your life, he's alive in you right now. The moment that we relegate Christianity to merely religion or merely the life of Jesus Christ is something that strictly took place 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, we're defeated. Jesus Christ is alive here and now, present tense. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not I was. I am. He is your I am. Jesus Christ is alive here and now forever. He loved you first. That's the only narrative that really matters in our lives. Because of death and the resurrection of Jesus, you can know that he chose you. And he keeps on choosing you still, not because of what you can do for him, but for the sake of his passion for you. That longing that you have for your very own happily ever after, it's written into your DNA. It's there because Jesus is calling you unto himself to be with him for eternity. Last summer, as the country began shutting down everywhere, I heard an interesting news story. A guy had snuck into Discovery Island in Disney World, thinking it'd be a great place to ride out the quarantine. And when later asked, why? Why did you do it? He said, well, it looked like a tropical paradise. Hey, I'm not judging him. I, mean, I just wish I would have thought of it first, because that sounds really nice. But after he camped there several days, his presence was discovered, and the police came to get him. They went in with a helicopter flying low and called out to him. No response. Remember, there's nothing else going on anywhere, but he, he didn't answer. So they came to the island in boats and called to him on a loudspeaker system. Again, no response. Finally, the police went in on foot, walking around, calling for this guy, and they finally found him. And you know what he said? He said, sorry, I didn't hear you. Didn't hear that at all. Uh, I... Not my fault. I was just reading this article and laughing as I read it because this guy was camped out on this tiny 11-acre island with giant no trespassing signs everywhere. The paths are all behind locked gates. He's being summoned from air, land, and sea on a loudspeaker system. And when they finally get to him, his excuse was that he didn't know he was trespassing. He hadn't heard anyone calling. I thought, this is crazy. This guy's crazy. And then it hit me. I realized that, wow, how many times have I treated God in the exact same way? I have ended up in places I never should have been in my life because I felt like his no trespassing signs didn't apply to me. And then when I heard him calling out to me, I ignored him calling. I ignored his voice. I pretended I didn't hear. I even had the audacity to defend my stupid self-serving actions. And can you relate? Can you hear him calling your name? He's calling you because he longs for you to come home to him. He knows that you're hurting. He knows about your pain and your shame and regrets, but he keeps on calling. He's seeing your desperate attempts to rewrite your own narrative, but he keeps on calling. He sees you struggling to protect your heart that's been crushed by rejection and sorrow, and he calls out to you. He keeps calling day and night. Jesus Christ is alive, and he will never stop coming after you. I've learned that when you turn to Jesus, your life will never be the same. 
oh, you'll still be living in the same broken world. You'll still have the same old everyday problems. People will still make mistakes and hurt you sometimes. But the surprise isn't that things suddenly turn out better than you'd ever expected. No, the real surprise to me has been that God's light is more real than all the darkness, that God is more powerful than all human lies, and that God's love is stronger than death. He promises us that because of Easter, one day all wrongs will be made right and all sad things will become untrue. I am holding on for that day. In this broken world, I'm holding on for that day that because Jesus is risen, we will go to be with him. Maybe you're missing someone this Easter, someone that you have lost, a loved one. I want you to know they are more alive than they have ever been. In Jude chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, a couple of verses that have become incredibly precious to our family, there's a word for you if you're hurting today. Our grandson Jude is in heaven, and we cannot wait to see him. Because of Easter, we have that hope. My mom has been in heaven since I was a teenager. I can't wait to see her again. But you know what? With every day, as long as I have breath in my lungs, I want to tell his story. These verses in Jude say, I, Jude, am a slave to Jesus Christ and brother to James, writing to those loved by God the Father, called and kept safe by Jesus Christ. Relax. Everything is going to be all right. Rest. Everything is coming together. Open your hearts. Love is on the way. Everything that's wrong in this world is gonna be made all right. And there's a lot wrong in this world. But one day, all that is wrong is gonna be all right. And it's because of Christ's death and resurrection. I'm glad that Jesus didn't stay on the cross. He's alive. And Jesus said, if you want eternal life, here's the answer. In John 11:25, 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And he proved it by rising from the dead. And he says, if you'll believe in me, just place your faith in me. The word believe there literally means to place your life upon. That you give him the pen of your heart and you let him, the author of life, write your story. And you become part of the greatest story of all time. And he erases all your sins. He fills you with hope and purpose and meaning and he gives you heaven as a free gift one day. See, heaven is a free gift, and heaven is a real place. It's more real than the room we're in right now. Heaven is a real place. It's a place of perfection. It's a place of total fulfillment and meaning. It's a place of no more, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears, no more death. The reason why you have something in you that wants a happy ever after is because God put that in your heart. You were made for eternity, and he wants you to be with him forever in heaven, and that's why he died on the cross and he rose again. You see, 2,000 years ago, the greatest story came from the palace of heaven to be etched on the frail human pages of our planet, and the story comes to life in the unusual setting of a filthy animal stable in a small, insignificant Middle Eastern village. 
The divine story was written in obscurity for 30 years with ordinary words that went completely unnoticed. But then suddenly, each sentence of the story began to leap off the page with miraculous words that brought healing, powerful words that would bring good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, and set the captives free. And more and more people began following the story. And it began to take hold of their lives and fill them with hope. But there were those who tried to change the story. They didn't like what the story clearly revealed about the darkness in their hearts, so they tried to change it. But you can't change the story. The story can only change you. And when they realized they couldn't change the story, they tried to cancel it. They tried to keep the story from being told. But the more they tried to silence the story, the louder the words became. But then in the darkest chapter in human history, in jealousy and rage, they killed the story. It looked like the end of the story. The book was closed, it was wrapped and bound and placed in the deepest, darkest, forgotten corner of Earth's archives. It looked like the story would never again see the light of day and with it all the words of life and hope and joy and peace were gone. It appeared that the greatest story of all time would never be told. But after three days in the silent darkness, without warning, the word began to breathe again. Soon each sentence began to burst off the page in uncontainable light as the binding burned off and the story exploded to life again because the greatest story would not be stilled. The greatest story would not be stopped. The greatest story could never be silenced. The greatest story defeated death, the grave, and hell itself and rose again. And the greatest story and the greatest story will never be silenced, though there are still some today that try to ban it, that try to silence the story, but the more they try to silence it, the louder the story gets, because the greatest story will be told, because the greatest story is the word of life that rose from the grave so he could change the story of your life. The greatest story is the greatest of all time. Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the great I am, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. Let's stand together and give him our praise. Yeah. yeah. Woo. Yeah, it's awesome. He's alive to make all the difference in your life. You can be seated. He's alive. The tomb is empty. Is your life full? You see, he wants to save you, and he wants you to have the free gift of heaven one day because you were made for eternity. But you have to give him the pen of your heart and stop trying to control your story and stop trying to play God and stop trying to fix everything and give him the pen of your heart and let him write the story. And he'll write something beautiful out of all the brokenness. He'll write something purposeful out of all the pain. He'll write a miracle out of the mess. That's what he does. And when you give him the pen of your heart, the first thing he does is he writes your name in the book of life in the Lamb's Book of Life. There are two books in heaven that are really important to know about, and they relate to the two ways to get to heaven. The first way is to be perfect. 
you die and you go meet God, and he says, why should I let you into my perfect heaven? You say, well, I was perfect. I never sinned. But the problem is, God's got a book up there of your life, of everything you've ever done, every thought, every motive. It will all be laid bare, and he'll open it up, and you've done a lot of good things, and you've helped people. You've done some things that are really wonderful, but yet there'll be a lot of sins in there, every sinful action, every sinful motive, every sinful thought will be laid bare for all to see. And it'll be proven that you're not perfect because no one is. We've all sinned. We're all broken. But you see, there is another book, the Lamb's Book of Life. And when you give him the pen of your heart and you let him take over your life and you accept his free gift of salvation, you stop trying to save yourself and you let him erase all your sins and guilt and fill you with hope and meaning, the first thing he does is he writes your name in his book of life. We can't earn it or deserve it. It's called grace. And so one day when I die and I go meet God, and he says, Carrie, why should I let you into my perfect heaven? I'll say, well, I don't deserve it. I've sinned. But I trusted your son, Jesus Christ. He made a way for me. I could never get here on my own. I gave the pen of my heart to him. And he erased all my sins and guilt, though I didn't deserve it. And he wrote my name in his book of life. And then God will open up the book of life and he'll find my name written there. So the question is, do you know for sure your name is written in the book of life? The Bible says these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. Do you know for certain that your name is written in the book of life? You can know. It's one of the great things about Easter is you can get it settled right here and right now. You see, one day you'll come to the last chapter of your life, and we don't know when that's going to be. None of us gets to decide how many pages the book of our life contains, but one day you'll come to the last chapter of your life, and you'll come to the last page, the last sentence, the last word, and the book of your life will be closed. But when you receive Christ, he opens up the real book, and your story just begins. He opens up the book of eternity, and we live with him forever in that perfect place, that happily ever after that he put in your heart. And so have you ever, at a point in time in your life, given the pen of your heart to God? Do you know for sure your name's written in the book of life? You, you see... God never takes the pen away from us. He, he never takes it away from us. He, he made you to love you, but you get to choose whether or not you love him back, and you want to give him the pen of your heart. But when you do, he writes your name in the book of life, and he starts rewriting your story into a story of purpose and meaning. So I want to ask you to do something really personal and really powerful this Easter. We don't pass out cards or programs or anything now, trying to be as safe as possible, but I want you to take out your smartphone. And if you're at home watching through our broadcast ministry, take out your smartphone. Everybody take out your smartphone, and if you'll just text the word Woodlands in lowercase to 97000, the word Woodlands to 97000, then it will take you to a decision card. And 
We want you to make a decision today because something happens when you make it personal, it becomes powerful. And here's the decisions. They're on that decision card. First is committing my life to Christ. If you would say, Carrie, I don't know that I've ever really given the pen of my heart to God. I want to get it settled this Easter. I'm not sure that I've ever done that. And I want to know that my name is written in the book of life. Then just check that there, committing my life to Christ. And if you do that, we want to send you a free gift, a new believer's Bible to help you grow in your faith. And so if you're worshiping with us online or through a broadcast ministry, check that and we will mail it to you. If you're here at one of our campuses, then you can just go out to the book table and pick it up on your way out. We wanna help you grow in your faith. And then if you would say, Carrie, I know the Lord, he's in my life. I know my name's written in the book of life. I've received his free gift of heaven one day, but I'm not as close to God as I once was. I've kind of walked away from him. You know, during the pandemic and all, I stopped coming to church, and I, I just haven't really been connected to the Lord lately, and I've let a lot of other things come in the way. But I want to renew my faith this Easter. Then just check, renew your faith. And if you do that, we want to give you a free copy of our new book, The Gift of One Day, that Chris and I just wrote. That's all about how to stay connected to God on a daily basis. One day at a time, staying close to him and being guided and directed by him with his wisdom. And so... We can give that to you at the book table or, or mail it to you. And then if you'd say, Carrie, I don't even know if I believe in the resurrection. I've got a lot of questions. That's great. We just say, if you'll check, I'll consider Christ's claims. Make that decision. You'll consider Christ's claims with an open mind. We want to give you a, a copy of uh, Lee Strobel. We love Lee in our church. And uh, Lee's written a book called The Case for Easter. And we want to give that to you if you'll just check that. But I want every one of us to bow our heads right now. On this Easter Sunday, 2021, just bow your head. And if you said, I want Jesus in my life, I wanna give him the pen of my heart. I need his forgiveness. I need his free gift of heaven. I want my name written in the book of life. Just pray this prayer silently to God. Dear Jesus Christ, I admit I need you. Thank you for making me. And thank you for loving me. Even when I've ignored you, you've always been there. So now I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Erase all my guilt. I give you the pen of my heart. And I ask you to come into my life and fill me with your peace and purpose. And I ask you to change me from the inside out and write my name in your book of life. I accept your free gift of heaven one day. Thank you for saving me. Now help me grow in my faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Christ came into your life. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He will always be in your life. And now we're at the part of the service where we give back to God some of what he's given us. And again, we give because we love God. If you're a first-time guest, don't feel obligated to give. Just be our guest. We give because we love what God's doing through over 100 ministries and missions that are making a difference. And so the way you give is you take out your smartphone and you just text the word GIVEWC, one word, to 77977. GIVEWC, one word, to 77977. And you can give and give because you love him, because you praise God for what he's doing and because you wanna make a difference in lives. And that's what God's doing through Woodlands Church. Hey, and by the way, it's so important for you to be here next weekend because we're kicking off a new series called Kryptonite, and it's all about how God can turn 
your weaknesses into strengths, how God can help you overcome your greatest struggles so that you can be the hero you've always wanted to be. Well, Woodland Church, lots going on. We want you to stay connected because the Christian life is not just a matter of believing, it's a matter of belonging, belonging to God's family. We believe in Christ and belong to him, and then we belong to a family of God. And so be here next week, stay connected. In fact, next week, our children's uh, festivals are gonna be before and after every service. We're gonna have uh, bounce houses and inflatables and fun out on the plaza before and after every service next weekend. And after the Saturday night service at 6 p.m., we're gonna have a family movie night out on the, out on the lawn there. And we're gonna show superhero movies like The Incredibles next week, a lot of fun. It's gonna be a blast, but mainly we need to stay connected growing together, belonging to each other. And by the way, if you're not a member of a church family, you need to join a church family. It's not just believing, it's also belonging to a church family. There are a lot of great churches around here and you ought to join one. We would love to have you here at Woodland Church. If you're here, it probably means you ought to join Woodland Church and it's April 18th, we have our membership class and you can sign up for that on April the 18th. We really encourage you to do that. It's a two-hour class, that's how you join. But God is up to great things at Woodland Church. God is working we believe in Jesus and we belong to him and he'll never let us go. I want us to stand and as we conclude our Easter service, I want us to sing a declaration. One of our Woodlands worship songs that these guys have written that, that talks about the fact that we belong to him and he will never let us go. Because of Easter, we belong to him. He pursued us. And he holds us in his arms, and when you feel like you can't hold on any longer, he'll still hold you. He's big enough to hold you in all of your burdens and problems and pain, and he will hold you, and he will carry you, and one day he'll carry you into his presence in heaven, that perfect place, because of Easter, because Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty so our lives can be filled, and we belong to him, and he will never let us go. Let's sing it as a declaration because he's alive. Not a funeral service, praise God. He's not on the cross anymore. He's alive. It's a celebration. A celebration of Easter. Let's sing together. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.